Hello and welcome to Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave, the movie talk show where each week one of us takes a movie off our shelf, presents it to the other, and shares thoughts with you, our listeners. This week we've got coming off of my shelf, 1950s Sunset Boulevard, starring Gloria Swanson, William Holden. This is true. Eric Von Stronheim. (laughs) Yeah. Buster Keaton in a cameo. (laughs) Yeah. Just some of the the greats. Buster Keaton. Some of the greats. Yeah. Uh, directed by the wonderful Billy Wilder, one of my all-time favorite directors. So, David. Yes, Philip. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for coming by. Pleasure is mine. What? Uh, it's all mine. Do you have? Have you ever seen this movie? Heard of this movie? Know anything about it? What are your thoughts on the movie? How are you doing this week? I'm flipped it around a little bit. <laughs> you don't care. <laughs> Well, I'm doing great. I don't it. care, but yeah. the listeners do. They do. They, They've yeah. expressed it over and over again. Oh, the letters I get. <laughs> Philip, um, you know, week is going great, really. Great. Can't complain. Happy. I put a, a barbecue all together by myself. Wonderful. That's not true. My wife helped me. The lies yeah. have begun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got a great deal on it. One day special. Put it all together. It's missing one sear plate. You know what a sear plate is? Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's where you sear things. Well, it's the underneath the grill. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. no meat ever touches it. One minute it was there, the next I didn't see her at all. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, uh, <laughs> old for laughter. <laughs> yeah. So I did that. I was pretty proud of that, Phil. Otherwise, uh, par for the course. You asked me, had I heard about this movie? Have I heard Sunset Boulevard? You don't see how you can't have heard of this movie you may have heard of the street i'm you know the the boulevard itself but it sounds like it would be a movie yeah sure and when i started watching it i'm like oh i've seen this that explains it i asked myself about this movie but didn't know the name of it okay now i know that is the movie okay because i'd watched a black and white movie that wasn't casablanca and for the love of god the days of wine and roses which we covered in the podcast third black and white film i believe Second, we haven't covered Casablanca. No, but I thought we did another one. No, Ooh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe was Wine and Roses our only other black and white movie? Shit, folks. Uh, Could have been. We should know. We'll check the archives. We will. So I had seen the movie, and I, uh, I, yeah, I'd enjoyed it. And thank you for bringing it off your shelf. I don't know if you know this. I think we watched it together. We actually, as you say it, as you're as you're talking, I was like, you know what? I think the only world in which Dave would have yeah. already seen this movie is if I had. I, I <laughs> showed him that movie. I assume you probably nodded off years ago. I probably did. Like, I think when we watch movies together, we don't really add anything to it. No, like it doesn't. <laughs> like we could watch them separately and get just as much. Yeah. Like we don't like we like to pay attention, so we're not going to be having a not great a lot of conversation. Yeah. We probably are not both enjoying it or both disliking it because our tastes are are different. Yeah. So you'll be like loving it. I'll be making snide remarks and you'll be annoyed. I'll be frustrated. Or vice versa. Yeah. And then we decided let's put that into a podcast. Yes. (laughs) So we get no enjoyment of each other's company generally. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So, yeah. So it had been a while. I mean, I think we watched that movie four years ago, five years ago. So it was nice to revisit it uh, to watch to to our podcast. Maybe obviously a bit of a more of a critical eye, but... uh, yeah, I'd say I, I enjoyed it. It was a good movie. Those are my thoughts. So I'm really amazed of how good some of these old black movies are. When it talk when we talk about editing mm-hmm. and things like that, I'm like, oh wow, this must have taken like I I've, I've done editing. Sure, like I've edited. It takes me a while, and that's digital editing. And I'm using Adobe. Yep. I don't know what they're doing, but Steenbecks and you know, sure, carving it up, chopping it up. So this yep. um, obviously I can see why 
not many movies. There's more movies that come out regularly now than they did back in that that day. So I'm in, I am impressed. I'm in awe. I would say I'm in awe. Yeah. Of what they were able to do in the 40s and 50s and 60s with film. Mm-hmm. And I'm also in awe of how good these movies are when sure. it comes to interesting mm-hmm. acting and story. Yeah. It really checks a lot of the box of what makes a movie good. And this is no exception. This is probably, you know, I mean, I've only seen a, a, like a handful, handful of, sure. of the movies this old. And uh, it is impressive. So, Phil, please, I'll throw this uh, right back to you. I couldn't figure out what possessed you to uh, pick uh, this film. It really was born out of a desire to rewatch this movie I love so much. Uh, okay. As I, you I know, I've got, I've got many short lists uh, for a variety of reasons. And this was on the short list of just the greatest movies i know and own oh not the best of like from that generation just the it best just of sort all of time. yeah there's a couple of different ones i i, I we, we, short list. we strive for variety on the podcast clearly sure. i do um <laughs> and as a result there's sort of these little pockets i kind of create in these lists where i'll pull from the greatest movies i know kind of category um at just at a, on a random bit of, I want to watch this again. Yeah. So movies I place in this category is things like Jaws and things like All the President's Men, which I believe we did kind of have justification maybe more in the moment than, than at other points. But I didn't really think that this one had a moment specifically to, to kind of hang it on. And I just really missed this movie. It was a movie that I, I, I have watched many times over the years, but it had been a long time. Four years? At least. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. How many times uh, have you, would you say you've watched this movie? Just tough to say. Tough to say. I would Ballpark say over a dozen for sure. Over a dozen. Okay. Over a dozen. It's a movie that continues I mean, it's been to out for be... 80 years. I guess you've had the time. To watch <laughs> had some it, time. So. 98, 99, 2000, as I mentioned, was is a real oh, formative kind of yeah. really... Your formidable years. I was getting into movies from a, on a deeper level, let's say, from 94 onward, but it really was peaking in that, in that era. And this was a movie where I had heard of uh, The Apartment. Okay. Uh, I was a big Jack Lemmon fan from something like uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, and uh, even Dad, frankly, Grumpy Old Men, all of those in the late 80s, Great 90s, early yeah. 90s. Better than grumpier old men. And he uh, he was just an actor I connected with. He was in The Apartment, Days of Wine and Roses. I kind of got to him through those kinds of things. And uh, Billy Wilder directed The Apartment as well. So as I said, so kind of following his career. Is he big? Is he big back then? Very big. The name sort of rung a bell with me. He did a movie called Stalag uh, 19, uh, also with William Holden, which is great. He did uh, Sabrina, which is another uh, great movie with Harrison uh, Humphrey Ford. Bogart. Harrison Ford, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Harrison Ford played the, the Humphrey Bogart part. But William Holden was played by, uh, that character was played by uh, Greg Kinnear in, in the remake, Sidney Pollock's remake. I so Greg Kinnear. again, I heard of him through that. They make a re- they remake Sabrina. They're talking about Billy Wilder's original. Oh, William Holden's in it. Go right? to the source. There's all these different reasons. Uh, Almost Famous uh, had come out in 2000. And uh, Cameron Crowe is famously a, a, a huge fan of Billy Wilder. Wrote a long book uh, about him. So he was a name that was popping up in this, I want to know more about the history of movies. I was seeing a lot sure. of current movies. And this was one of those like real early dives plus at the time i was writing my writing partners and i were kind of doing it it was about a screenwriter so there were all these pieces that really kind of worked together so i just immediately was enamored of this movie i I just adored it and often when people talk about the greatest movies ever made um casablanca citizen kane or or godfather all very very high on the list yeah 
And I would put this right in that category. Maybe not the peak, but for my sensibilities, particularly at that time, it was a movie that I just like. I like the humor. I like how kind of dark it is. I like how Hollywood it is. Very Hollywood. I yeah. like that it it's touched. in Hollywood. Yeah, but really <laughs> based in and around the, the studio system, yeah. the difference between uh, going from talkies to, or from silence to, movies, to yeah. talkies, which Don't was. they call them talkies? They call yeah. them talkies? Which has recently uh, been a, a, a explored in uh, Babylon, which I mentioned last uh, last year when we talked uh, that it was a movie I saw in the theater. I just loved that as well. So yes. I really I kind of that. dig the the vibe of this movie and performances. Uh, you're saying I watch these movies. You know, we talk now. Now movies suck. Movies this. Movies that. They do. <laughs> I just watched. Uh, no, they don't. Uh, uh, Asteroid City. Yes, yes, and you liked it. I loved it. I thought it was great. It's not that bad movies are being made. Or only bad movies. We just are being have bad made. taste. They're just only they're the bad movies that make the that make the biggest noise. So if you're willing to go and see other movies, there's other movies that are happening that are great. And in fact, some of the big ones. Babylon was a big movie, very expensive, very big. I loved it. Fableman, Steven Spielberg, the biggest director in in, in so the in the planet. Still, still, good movies are still being. He's made. still churning them out. So I don't want this to be a doom and gloom kind of podcast. However, what gets me interested is the people like your wife, frankly. In that, don't get me started on her. If it's old, <laughs> black and white, too long, all of these, like, it's got to be a certain way to be good. I'll only go to the movie theater to watch big spectacle, big explosions, yeah. this and that. Yeah. That, I think, is where the psychology of the movie going experience is lost on me. Yeah, she's because got some issues. I know. We're working through them. Because I want to watch The Godfather on the biggest screen possible with the best sound possible with as many people as possible. And someone would look at that and go, well, it's 1972 and it's three hours long. I don't, and I've never heard of any of these never actors. Grind, yeah. Forget it. And Who hasn't heard of? Uh, I mean, young younger people, right? Okay. They're looking. Robert around, Duvall. Who's Robert Duvall? Who's oh. James Caan? Better know who that is. Marlon Brando. He, he these just are, turned ninety-three. Robert Duvall. He's a, he's a phenomenal actor. Still is. Uh, but well. that kind of stuff. So, so a chance to revisit this movie is is just always a, a treat to me. And uh, I was eager to because it's been a long time, at least four years since I watched it. And I probably slept through that one <laughs> yeah, noticeably, you, noticeably. So you definitely did. Uh, it's just one of my all-time favorites. I don't have much more uh, preamble to you say. You don't need any. I just preamble. think uh, just, it's uh, it's a near perfect movie. Yeah, I can. I mean, I love the perform. I, I I just I feel we've lost something. We're we're afraid to be over the top. When it Absolutely. comes to performance. It's the method. Yeah. The method of acting came in like 54, 55 yeah. with Brando and all the on the waterfront yeah. and uh, uh, a streetcar named Desire and uh, Stella Adler and, and uh, these kinds of performances became more internal. That's why the movies of the 70s are all like these fairly grounded and reserved performances because the techno technique kind of changed yeah definitely and in silent movies you didn't have words so you had to be big production and they're all theater actors coming over to film so everything was big i don't mean to cut you off but that's sort of like no, the history yeah. of it like yeah like gloria swanson gloria swanson yeah uh amazing phenomenal like, in this movie like every moment she's on the screen she's just giving it a 110 percent yeah it's kind of funny i mean we make fun of that Kind sure. of acting now as a joke. Yeah, uh, I know Conan kind of has fun with that voice. Oh and yes, yes, it, yes. It's a hoot. It's a hoot. But enjoying it in two different ways. Put it in context and it works. Yeah, take it out and it's kind of funny and silly. Exactly. So it's a, it's a win win. And William Holden, I believe he was in the River Kwai. Yep, if that's pronounced correctly. Yep, which is on one of my short lists. Fantastic. Uh, it's a great actor. Yeah, they did a 4K in that Ooh. one, so that'll be interesting when we do bring that off. 
Will it wait for November? I don't know. We'll see. Who's to say? Who's to say? And uh, yeah, so I, I think I, I may have even seen him in something else. The name certainly uh, was recognizable to me. He might be in one of those Navarone movies that I own, or possibly, or one of those old war movies, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so he was a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I thought he's really good too. Yep. And uh, uh, I didn't re- didn't really know Max. Okay. From anything, which again from 1950, unless you're Angela Lansbury. <laughs> I'm probably not going to know you. That's right. Gaslight was the other black and white movie. There we go. See, you just we figured it, right it out. <laughs> Inadvertently, <laughs> by accident. And then Nancy Olsen, which is funny. Her and Gloria Swanson were both in uh, Airplane 1975. Oh, interesting. Together. That I'm late, not sure eh? what capacity, but uh, it showed up. And let's not forget Freddie Clark. Well, who could? The great Sheldrick. <laughs> He's uh, fantastic. This whole movie is full of so many... Great performances and great dialogue. And one of the things, Billy Waters is just such a yes. great writer that... Another thing I like about these older movies, they the, seem to just... It's just so incisive. Clever. The humor is clever. It's uh, a lot of um, metaphors, similes, like you know, like good English. Sure, yeah. Like the comment about Rudy uh, sees the... He, look, look, looks at your heels and knows the deal sort That's of it. thing. Like, he knows the score. What the fuck does that even mean? But I get it. It makes complete sense. Yeah. You're using metaphor to say this guy's running around like an idiot. He's, you know, he's working all... He's got his yeah. old shoes. He can't afford new ones. Like, Rudy. You can get it. Uh, uh, what were your thoughts? Just sort of... Please. I'm curious to know what your thoughts about... Uh, this is a huge voiceover yeah. movie. Relies heavily on it. Yeah. I think needs to be there, but yep. sure. But how do you feel about it being a dead guy? This now, is a question I have for you. So great. yeah, because yeah. I mean, this isn't something that is revealed at the end. This is revealed at the beginning. Yep. I think it wants to sort of play a little game at the beginning of is it or is it not, but I don't think it's successful at that because I think right away we know that it's the dead guy talking. I don't know if it's because I watched it four years ago. Well, he that talks I knew about that already, but I'm pretty sure I knew that he was talking about himself. I think as soon as it gets introduced that he's a screenwriter, because at the beginning he talks about yeah, that's the uh, the guy in the pool, two in the back, one in the stomach, finally got a pool down on his luck, screenwriter, yada yada, and then we introduce in current or in past time, and it's uh, I'm a screenwriter and I've been writing, and it's the same voice. So you're like, okay, well, this is not like a game. Um, I thought what an interesting use of a voiceover. And I thought it was excellent. I think are any rules? I don't think there's a rule. I don't think so either. The dead guy can't do the voice. And I think about and talk, speak as if he's alive. I was just thinking about this actually the other day, because I'm sure there are others that have employed it since um, in between. But if you recall American Beauty at all, vaguely, I have seen it. That is a movie that has a voiceover from effectively a dead guy from Spacey. Yeah. And I didn't really put the two together, but I was thinking about American Beauty relatively recently, and I was like, I think, actually, now that I think about that movie, there's a lot of voiceover okay. in that one, and it is sure. So it's been from from Lester Burnham's uh, perspective. So it is, I, I mean, I think it's unique in 1950. I think it probably was the first time that that really occurred. And I think it's really great because it allows for some dramatic irony humor. Uh, sure, yeah. It gives you an opportunity to have Again, look at the heels and knows the score. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not know the deal, know the score. That's right. He's talking about, um, you know, I talked to a yes man at MGM. They said no. To me, he said no. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a, tons of those. Just those riddled throughout this movie. A lot of really clever plays on words. And yeah, I, so, I, but I, I like the voiceover. I think it's a good way to introduce and it allows, this movie requires, I think, you know, voiceover they say all the time. It's a crutch and, you know, you, storytellers don't need it and you're sort of, but 
some movies are designed for a voiceover, sure, and this yes, is I one that is designed. Yeah. I feel the same way about uh, Goodfellas, right? You could look at that and go, eh, a voiceover, what a lame reason or way to get exposition. But the design of Goodfellas requires those voiceovers. You know, and yeah. when Karen comes in, it's like, okay, now we get her perspective. So I think it's necessary. And this one, I yeah, it love doesn't it. Feel ta- it doesn't feel doesn't, tacked on. It, it feels like it's part of the mold. It's part of the, the right. foundation of the movie. If we ever do Blade Runner... Uh, 2049, right? The original. The original, which I, I have. Would have I have the director's I've cut. I've got both. Yeah. 4K right well, there on the show. We can do back to back. of the bees. <laughs> um, but if we ever do that, there was a version of that movie that a voiceover was put over it. That Har- they sort of the studio said, Harrison, you got to re- record it because the movie doesn't make sense, or we think the movie doesn't make sense, so you have sure, to fill okay. in these blanks. I did not know that. So that is like I'm not a, sure what copy I have. A cheap way. It's on. It's one of the four versions you have on that on that uh, disc. Okay. But this is a movie that feels completely authentically from the from the ground up was written in voiceover, and I think it works uh, beautifully. I will say this: there's one brief moment they're both sitting on the couch mm-hmm. she grabs his arm mm-hmm. and the voiceovers is she grabs his arm mm-hmm. i see that that's the only time i thought i wonder if they over voiceover this a little bit oh, okay. and i said at the end my decision was eh, no i don't think so if, that, if this is the only moment of the movie where i'm questioning it yeah. it's such a short moment that i'm not going to think twice of it in a negative sort of way so i thought it was just noticeable I was like i wonder because just the touch. I, I see that. Like yeah. I'm seeing it, but yeah, you imagine you know you say don't speak or show don't say. But I think in that instance, if I remember, it's it's there's more to it than just she grabbed my arm. It's yeah, she grabbed my arm as if to say that we are and she isn't exactly. and we are and the yeah. boy, you know. So it fade, the, I thought faded pretty quick. Yeah, though, like it offers issue. more context to the grab that. I think elevates it or allows it. You know, so you give it a pass because of it, but it, it's not. Uh, it's, I, I get the feeling where it's sort of like, is this too much? But I personally, maybe because I just am too in love with it to have any <laughs> objectivity. Blinded by yeah, it. Yeah, that any, I feel like. faults. Yeah, like it feels like, no, it's absolutely perfect. It's earned. It's, you know, okay. delicately handled. It's it's well, funny. It's good. You know, we go back and forth on our picks, so it won't be long before we'll be able to find faults. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> when my pick comes up. Finally. Because I'm pretty good at uh, yeah, you just <laughs> <laughs> finding movies that have a few, uh, yeah. fish, uh, what do you call it? Not like the island, some big big holes in the plot, <laughs> uh, short sightedness, uh, all sorts of goodies. Absolutely, for the listeners. Yeah. You know, if the shoe fits. Yeah. <laughs> My first note was Buster Keaton. Oh, interesting. Just okay. because a any relation to Michael? No. Great granddaddy? No. Okay. No. And I'm trying to figure out. Okay, well, I know that name. He must have been famous. Absolutely, was one of the f- biggest silent movie stars in the world. Okay, and I'm thinking, well, which character? And I t- I thought it was Artie. Like, oh, you're Buster Keaton. It is not. He just played himself, yeah. apparently. Uh, when they were playing uh, Hearts. Oh, is that where? Oh, that's Buster Keaton in that. Yeah. Okay. Because he talks about, they call him the Waxworks. Yeah. I was. That, okay. Can I, I'll ask you now. Please. What does that mean? It's like they're in a museum. Okay. I figured it was something like that. They call him the Waxworks because they're all, frankly, and, and Buster Keaton's an example of someone that didn't make yeah. the transition from silent to talking. Well, and we still remember him. And uh, oh, absolutely, it made some of the greatest movies. Uh, silent film star, you know, the cameraman is is a classic. Um, uh, the Great Train Robbery. I don't know is him actually. Now I think about it, I know he did. A, he did about five movies that are just like classics. And do you but have all silent? Do you have any silent movies on your shelf? I have the original Phantom of the Opera from nineteen twenty nine. 
Okay. Um, I think that might be the only silent movie I okay, have. Okay, well, if you get another one, let me know. We'll watch it. I, I have a couple. Phantom of the Opera. Not a fan. Saw it in Toronto. Didn't like it. Oh, it's very different. I mean, it's yeah. it's obviously just, it's just not a musical. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of movies that talk about Singing in the Rain is one and Babylon is one that, that sort of address the transition between silent and talkies. Okay. And this one obviously kind of touches on it as well. But um, yeah. Okay. I don't know a Buster Keaton movie, but yeah. So the waxworks I think is a reference is a sort of a reference to the fact that they are museums. They're they're relics. They're just there, and they're stone faced. That's his Buster Keaton was called the you know the stone face because he showed no expression. He was That's kind of good in acting, going through crazy, and he would just have this look of stoicism. Have you seen that uh, showed up in my Facebook? It's Harrison Ford, and it's this picture of his face. Mm. And and when you put your like hand over half his face, he's happy in one mm-hmm. and okay. miserable in the other. The eye and the mouth sort of match up straight down. He okay. can be happy and miserable at the in same the time. same picture. Wow. And when you look at it, it's like, that's him. It sounds and like, it's pretty accurate. Sounds like Harrison Ford. <laughs> Speaking of big movies, I did watch Indy recently. I was going to ask you uh, what your thoughts. It's okay. Yeah. Better than the last, but not as good as the previous. Yeah, not many people standard. liked the, the fourth one. I didn't it's mind garbage. it. I mean, someone mentioned to me it was kind of far-fetched because it's aliens are the involved. Aliens like, you tell me the first three aren't far-fetched? I think Molaram is probably a little <laughs> oh, far-fetched, far-fetched. And maybe the, Supernatural the, the, is... the cup of Christ may have been a little bit of a stretch. What's more of a stretch? Crusade. Aliens, which are probably real, <laughs> versus Supernatural, which is probably not. So, well, just I saying. would say aliens are supernatural as well. Yeah. But well, I, 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 This is me. Talk I, to me. It's, I have a lack of faith in these... Uh, Late sequels, sure. reboots, remakes. Fair. Our trust, for me anyway, has been broken a long time ago. But we have movies like Top Gun. Yeah. That was, I think, one or at least nominated uh, for Oscars. Absolutely, yep. Uh, and then we have the remake of MacGyver, which makes me barf. Yeah. So you can't win them all. No, or, yeah, we can't win many of them. That's <laughs> the true. problem That's is. True. And the Star Wars franchise, even the Star Trek franchise, I have some issues concerned. So it's, uh, I feel like, what they put out today is all about the money, and it's like they know we'll go and see it, and yeah. it's don't put it's out a, a bit great quality. And to kind of have a correlate, this movie is, and we talk about quality and special effects. This just reminds me and proves that you don't need all of these amazing special effects to make an entertaining film. This Not movie, I was entertained pretty much the whole time. I mean, so an hour fifty, an it's hour, about two hours, yeah, an hour, 55, yeah, close to two, that, yeah. and. Uh, and I was like entertained. Like yeah. the dialogue was, as you mentioned, it was pretty bang on. The performances were great, and how they're able to put these movies together really does uh, have me in awe. So it's not a product of time. There's uh, no something to be said of these these gems. What's kind of fun about this movie too is that because it's so Hollywood and so much about movie making that you get on the scene where she goes to the back lot to see Cecil B. DeMille, you get to see how they're making a movie because that's effectively a proper set at the proper time that making only a proper movie and directed by a proper director. Cecil B. DeMille is one of the greats as well. Is he real? Yeah, oh, absolutely. C.B. DeMille, yeah. yeah. So again, there's a lot of real people. Gloria Swanson is a real, obviously not Norma Desmond, but Gloria Swanson is a big star from the silent era that had disappeared for the most part. Uh, Eric Von Stroheim. So it's Stroheim. Kind of based loosely on true events uh it's not so much based on true events but they just take it and make it 
they take as much realism as they can from the context and put it into uh like Gloria Swanson didn't go crazy. Yeah. Right. But she was a former silent yeah. star that got kind of pushed aside yeah, and, and just f- made it really interesting. And they just made it really interesting. Yeah, exactly. Amped it up. And, and Alex did they? Van uh sorry, Eric Von Stroheim, who plays Max, was actually a director who okay. directed Gloria Swanson. That part. In yeah. that era. So again, were they ever married though in real life? I don't believe they were ever married. Well, they should have been. It's possible. They no should research, been. of course, but um, who has time? That's right. I, I really think it's fantastic. I'll tell you another story about. We were just talking. You were just mentioning Phantom of the Opera. One of the things that really got me into this movie, on top of other other stuff, and I forgot to mention it. I meant uh, I should have. Is the musical? They made a musical of this movie. I want to say in '94, five. Uh, okay, I sort of feel like and I know uh, Glenn that. Close played Norma Desmond, and she's my, great. My brother was a big fan of the of musicals in general, so I was playing around the house, and I was completely in love with the story. I was uh, such a big fan, so I so you had seen that. I think I had heard of it. I can't remember the sequence. I either watched the movie or otherwise maybe it was ninety eight. This is important information. Uh, but they were correlated very closely. I really yeah. love the musical, and I can't remember if I watched the movie first or otherwise, but. Yeah. They were very intrinsically linked, and I just love the story. And, and 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 it's cool. It really came together. Every Ghost Rider movie I've watched hasn't ended well for the Ghost Rider. <laughs> I've only watched two. One was called Ghost Rider. Yeah, with Ewan. Ewan. And I thought about bringing it off the shelf to sort of link with this. I yeah. don't think I will. It is on my shelf, so I, I might at some point because it's. A, I think it's a pretty good movie. Uh, and that's. And more of uh, not sure what, how it ends. Where this movie, you get it's a pretty, pretty clear. Yeah, right away. The end. The beginning is the end. The beginning is the end. Is the beginning. So, but anyways, yeah, two for two um, Ghost Rider movies. Yep. Uh, not ending well. And it's funny that his name is Ewan in that one because he really lost. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very good. <laughs> These are the jokes that uh, yeah, everybody that, loves. Uh, <laughs> explains everything. Yeah. So we already talked about the opening shot now. What I or the the sequence where he's in the pool, but what I like about this movie, and we'll get into it now, is the li- like the opening shot of this movie, and leading to the tracking shot before the voiceover starts, just as the voiceover starts. Street. It's it Sunset opens Boulevard. on the yeah. gutter. Okay. And there's something very poetic about Billy Wilder shooting sunset boulevard in the gutter and and the camera following the gutter before pulling back a little wider and you see the entirety of sunset boulevard the mm. 1000 block where the murder you're, you'll read about it in the paper a no good writer yada 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 and then we get the shot the how they got that shot is phenomenal business to me and we talk about special effects 1950 you're probably not sure. getting a lot of digital <laughs> no right so they no. say okay well how do you get the shot yeah mirror there's a mirror wow. on the in the bottom of the pool reflecting up. The camera is shooting through the water and reflecting back. That is how they got that shot, according to lore. Cre- so you just look creativity. and go, I want the underground shot, but we don't have the camera how technology at the time to be under how a pool. How do you do it? Yada, yada, yada. figure it out. There it is. But I, I, I just love right away, you kind of get a sense of what this movie is. It opens in the gutter, and at the end of your tracking shot, after the credits... And a little bit of voiceover to pepper it in. Mm. You've got a dead guy floating in a pool, talking about what got him there. I just thought, what a right away. Even yeah. when I first saw him, like this is great. I'm already in love if, with this movie. If you want to hear what actually happened, you came to the right place. That's it. 
And he has before the newspapers. You'll read about it in the late late editions, but I'm going to tell you the straight yeah. goods. I'm like, they just love that. It's great. And Holden had a wholesome voice. Like I don't yep. know, wholesome's the quite the right word. You like using that word though. It's a couple of weeks now. Wholesome's the way. <laughs> really? They use wholesome last week. <laughs> yeah. I'm sticking with it. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, but no, his voice is just I think really good as a voiceover. We've talked about it. I think Harrison Ford, for example, in Presumed Innocent, he's an amazing actor and yep. he's done a, tons of amazing things. We love him. He's he recently did Conan's show, and okay. I love just, he's a funny guy. Sure. But maybe not voiceover isn't necessarily his strength, where I feel like this is a strength uh, of Holden. I don't know if he's done it like in another movie, but... I don't have any recollection, but a, it, it's just such a perfectly executed voiceover, and it's got the right inflection of, because of the way it's written, I think he has the benefit of, Presumed Innocent is, is voiceover very briefly. It's just a book ending, if I recall. Like It's not a lot to it. And it's kind of feels like you're reading a script, you know, um, where he talks about, uh, you know, the judicial system uh, in 19, you know, like it's very kind of specific. Whereas what this voiceover allows, I believe, or what I things I think it elevates is because he's allowed to be glib and flippant and jokey with the audience. And that because of the snarky way in which he presents it, mm-hmm. his attitude right from the beginning whether it's when he's talking to Betty Schaefer, when he's talking to his agent, when he's talking to Sheldrake, when he's talking to Gloria at the beginning, when he meets her first, like his attitude is such of char- charisma and kind of jokey, funny guy. Like George Clooney. Sure, exactly. Has a personality that you put him in a trunk. <laughs> if you put William Holden in a trunk with Gloria Swanson, there's going to be sparks. Everybody knows it. Um, Directed by Michael Bay. <laughs> Sparks will fly. <laughs> um, anyway, so I think that that is what elevates the voiceover beyond. I mean, I, I think his performance is great, but I think what elevates it is the writing itself and what yes. he gets to say and how he gets to say it. It's, yeah, it's really his, his words and the writer's, his voice and the writer's words just a uh, magic, a beautiful blend, which yeah. really uh, helped ele- elevate this movie. And right from really from the beginning, this movie uh, starts at a pretty quick pace. Yeah, well, Just like it's, getting, getting get, hitting the beats, getting us in the the movie, getting get, letting us get to know Holden's character. Yeah, and uh, and spares no up. time. Yeah, like it wastes no time when it talks about like again. So okay, we go back. He's a writer. He's talking. He's churn, churning them out. He says, "I'm I'm two a week." The idea of churning out screenplays twice a week is crazy to me, That's considering insane. I tried for that years. explains a lot of quali- with, with quality. Of, it may be. Yeah, they did MacGyver. Were they too original? Were they not original enough? Um, you get a sense. Okay, he's struggling. Then we get the the repo the men. repo men. They still exist. Now, I know they exist in the future. That's right. For your body parts. <laughs> yeah, and in the past. But do they, do, they must still do repo I, men. They must absolutely do. As long as people take loans, there's going to be yeah. uh, re- repo men. Yeah. Um, but I like when they show up, and again, he's right back into the what car? What are you talking about? Yeah, it's I don't know. No, I lent it over to so and so. You know, very casual, whatever else. And then because of Billy Wilder's a hilarious guy, slow pan over, grabs his jacket, and the keys fall on the yeah. ground right after they left. I'm like, that's just funny, clever stuff. That's good. I, I like I like when he's getting grabbing the car from Rudy's. Yep. And he's like, I'm ahead of them. Yeah, which is funny because he's behind on the payments, That's but right. he's ahead of them. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's again wordplay, right? This this movie's full of it, and I really think it's really clever. And then yeah. when he goes to try and get some money, now he goes to the places he thinks he the can pharmacy. go. Pharmacy. 
goes to uh, Schwab's. Yeah. yeah, Schwab's Pharmacy. Just yeah. to hang out on the phone and make all his calls. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, world famous Schwab's Pharmacy. It's where okay. uh, I figured disco- it was. They apparently discovered Marilyn Monroe, Lana Turner, uh, a lot of the well-to-dos in Hollywood used to hang out at Schwab's. So it's really? kind of an iconic. Uh, Interesting. Uh, location for that era, certainly. Uh, when I first went to Universal Studios as a kid, uh, they have a Schwab's pharmacy kind of store or whatever, okay. a storefront. And as even as a 10-year-old kid, I was just like, oh, I know that. Like, it was just beautiful. So I've always just been a geek for movies, basically, <laughs> even at, at such a young age. So I like that he goes to the places that he needs a job. So he goes first to Sheldrake. I love to, that scene. It's such a great scene. Great. Yeah. And the, it's such a casual way demeanor for the producer, who again gets some really funny lines. Bases loaded. Bases loaded. What was what was that uh, baseball player? What was he batting? Do you remember? No. Three forty-seven. Oh yeah. Okay. He just says it so like with like it does, it conviction. It. Yeah. He's batting three forty-seven. Gambling problem. And oh yeah, well, he has to blow it in the World Series. Yeah, but here's the twist. And yep. Yeah. Good title. Yeah. Sure. Great line. A great job for uh, Alan Ladd or something like that. Yeah, I love that talk about what, what who could, r- role would be. For, yeah. I don't know the names. Sure. But I, do, I just imagine myself if it was like Harrison Ford and Brad Pitt. Yeah, I would who, have. We're doing a script going like, who do we yeah. got? Who do we have? Who can we do? I think it's great. It's really I like fun. that Sheldrake has got the funny joke about how uh, he said no to go, Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I'm an idiot, you know, and yeah. the casual nature of that. I like that Betty Schaefer comes in and she's pretty. I want to say there's obviously scenes later where she plays kind of diminutive, but I like how strong and assertive this character is. And same thing with Gloria Swanson. These are actors in 1950, women in particular, that come across strong, strong, uh, decisive, uh, not taking any kind of crap uh, from from anybody. And I don't know. I obviously wasn't alive at that era, but I feel like what little we know of that time that women were not necessarily that, or yeah, until we they, rewrite history, which yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if they were, they were looked down upon for yeah. it or something like that. Whereas these sure. women are written with respect to me, yeah, and performed well, and so I, I was really impressed. So Betty Schaefer comes in, I really, she's adorable too. Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, something know. about that look in the fifties. It's just she's a very beautiful woman, yeah, I felt, and like I felt like I recognized her, but I looked at uh, and I'm like I definitely haven't seen her. She wasn't in. The two other, she wasn't in gas gaslight, gaslight, and no. she wasn't in wines and roses. Yes, that's so. right. So there it is. That's yeah. that's yeah. But, but she was in Airport seventy one, seventy five, seventy five. Sorry, but yeah. So I just like that scene at all. I like the way that she comes in and she says, "I wouldn't bother reading it. It's garbage." And how again he's playing off of that. Well, this year, this week, uh, I want to make a living. Uh, you know, yeah, I've got talent. You know, whatever. This week, I wanted to make a buck, right? Like, so the playful nature of the Hollywood system that says you could write the big blockbuster, or you can write something intelligent and meaningful, yeah. and uh, it says something. You know? It is a choice that a writer and a producer and a director all make along the way to say this is the the the, the thing. Speaking of Clooney earlier, you do the one for them, one for me kind of thing. You do the Ocean's Eleven movie, which can make $150 million so that he can go and make Syriana, which will make no money. Yeah. Uh, Why not? No it's money. But like it won an Oscar. It's not like it's a bad I think that movie is really great. But it's a, it's a smaller movie by virtue of the fact that you can – play one off of the other and i think this is what that is you can write bases loaded which is like popcorn silliness 
but she's like, no, give me something with substance. And I think uh, it's a yeah. great character and a great performance right away in that opening scene. I love yeah, it. Yeah, 100%. I really like that scene. Even funnier is um, in that same scene where she talks, oh, I just want to dig myself into oh, a hole. And, and he's like, and, if I can help, let and, me know. And then pull the hole in on. Yeah, yeah she, pull the hole in on me yeah, or something. And she's, he's like, clever. if I can help, I'll. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know? Nerky. And I like that he goes to the agent. On the golf course. On the Who golf does course. <laughs> And it's really like in frustrated, suit, you know, right on the like the green. Yep, really gets in good his conversation head. though. He's like, again, I need some money, but you can you can work better hungry. Yes, like finally, you, you I don't can... have a car. I feel like I lost my legs. Yep, have a seat, write some, write a movie. Like those are good points, absolutely. But also the it shows the fickleness and the you're just a writer and do your we don't care about you. You have no you have yeah. no They're worth. Friends. You have no worth. You have no friends. Your agent is your agent. He's not your buddy. Well, he said we're friends. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Questionable. Questionable foundation there. Yep. And then he ends up at Schwab's, and this is a great line about uh, Metro, which is my favorite line in the movie. One of my favorite lines in the movie, which is he says uh, through the voiceover. This again, where the you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be able to say this that. in dialogue. Yeah. You know. Uh, oh, what are the guys at MG? You don't. You wouldn't have it if you were having a conversation. But in voiceover, you can say, "I tried all the studios. I tried everywhere." I talked to a yes man at MGM. To me, he said no. Yeah. It's clever yeah. writing, smart, funny, and probably pretty accurate to the time as well. You know, yeah. studios just like no, we don't need you. <laughs> so I, I really just love someone offered him twenty bucks, and that's all within twelve minutes. Like he ends up, and then he, so leaving all of that, he's finally kind of re- resigned to the fact that he's going to have to move back to Cleveland and just sort of hang it Idaho. out. Idaho, Idaho, Dayton. Uh, no, she was Dayton, um, Ohio. Sorry, Ohio. Dayton, Ohio. Big difference. No potatoes there. No, 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 no. Um, but and, and so uh, runs into the repo man and then ducks into the to the driveway. So we're only about 12, 13 minutes into the movie. And we already know exactly who this guy is. We know exactly what his situation and, sta- and status and is. And if we clear. didn't know, we could check his heels. <laughs> That's right. Or ask Rudy. <laughs> or ask Rudy. He knows Rudy what's will up. Know. So I just think the economy of it, that's a lot that happens in that 12 minutes. Yeah. You know, now that you mentioned that, yeah, that seems like it felt like longer. Yeah, because it sets up the whole movie with great memorable characters, with great memorable dialogue, and shot per- perfectly. So, you you know, it's like it flies by because it's just so darn good. There's nothing to slow you down. There's no hiccups along the way. The f- dialogue is flowing. Shots are seamless. Performances are stellar. You're like, yeah, I'm right in right away. Yeah. And yeah. we haven't even met the r- real yeah. crux of the movie yet. This yeah. is all just setting up Joe Gillis. Yeah, and we still have a, a whole other glorious Swanson. We have not ex- established anything with that and, character yet. Which yeah, is, and she just jumps off the screen yeah. with everything she says and does. Yes. <laughs> and a monkey funeral. What a great introduction Yeah, I love, to show I, the eccentricities. Well, I love like she's starting to yell and be a little eccentric, and he's like, quiet down or you'll wake up the monkey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Very That's funny. interesting writing. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. funny stuff. Very funny stuff. There's just the movie's written riddled with it. It's so good. Yeah. I think the monkey that was sort of a normalish thing back then to have a pet monkey. I couldn't tell you. I have Maybe no for idea. the rich. Maybe for know. the rich. It didn't friends. You're weird. I mean, Ross had one. Okay. I don't know. Right. They're trying to bring it back. It didn't take. It didn't take. They tried. Uh, okay, what, what, do you, what do you think of the home? Because he's, he's sort of describing the home. When he gets there, yeah. about the tennis court with the saggy net. And I can relate to that because I live in Vanier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a lot of abandoned uh, 
Sure. Anyway, and then the pool with, with no water in it, yep. and he makes a comment towards that, and he's really describing this house. It's run down. It's ancient. It's a relic of the past, just like the person that lives in it, yeah. right? which is such a great c- comparison. Yeah. And as he comes into the house, it gives the house life, which also then gives her life. She's now found purpose. So it's all very connected. I love it. I love the sort yeah. of the house as metaphor for yeah. um, for that relationship and, and how that works. I also, another great opportunity for one of the iconic lines of uh, when he does recognize Gloria Swanson as Norma and he says, oh yeah, you, you used to be big. And she's got this great line of, I, st- I am big. It's the pictures that got yeah, it's small. small. And that's been used. It's been a thousand like, times. And, and it, it's but. so iconic. <laughs> and again, it's it's... We're big, Phil. It's the podcast that got small. That's right. Yeah. It, but it's it's very decisive and it's like the original it's, saying for this. Like yeah, it, this is where it there's really a few. Means. There's a couple of like these iconic lines that have so, sort of sustained over all the years. But mm-hmm. there's something really powerful about that. That is about the transition from to, from silence to talkies the performances too, right? I, I the, the performances used to be big. Yeah. And now they're small and getting smaller as, as decades go by, and, right? Yeah. It's a little because the cameras can pick up more. We had faces. We didn't need words, right? That's the another line from this movie. So it's all about expression and big movement. Now it's just eye acting. It's a little bit in your exactly, eye. Exactly, you because know? the camera can catch it and the voice can fill in the blanks. Now there's dialogue. So you don't need to show I'm, ex- I'm surprised. You get to say, ah! and it tells you the same thing. So... It's a powerful set of lines right away that sets up Desmond as somewhat pathetic, but almost understandably pathetic in a weird way. Like, I think this movie plays very well with the idea that there are equal times where you, where I pity Norma Desmond yeah. and also dislike her. Yeah. I like her, dislike her, pity her, empathize with her, sympathize with her. Yeah. She's such uh, a. Agree with her. Yeah. Yeah. It really. Hits it all. It's one of the great movie characters of all time because she is that kind of complex and the performance is so (laughs) specifically tuned Mm -hmm. that it could only have come, I think, from her and her lived experience to be able to say this dialogue quite so... deliver it the way she does. Yeah. Yeah. There's something really powerful. It's a change in her pitch. All of it. The the uh, eyes, even the hand movements, there's such theatricality to it. Yeah. it's really a remarkable performance uh, from a rem- by a remarkable actor and a really remarkable character. It's it's really quite stellar. And right away, buddy. right away you get it. And you kind of wonder what Max's deal is because she continues to call out for him and you don't really know his... He's just there, the servant, okay. Type. And servant. That, how that starts to unravel over throughout the movie, I thought is really interesting and fantastic Uh explanation for what that connection is and the sort of pathos that comes with that. Yeah, you don't really think much of him. No, just a butler and a... Yep. Yeah, but you, he, there's inklings there that it's more, and then obviously there's a few reveals throughout that really uh, add to his character and his motivations and what his part is in the whole thing as well, because I would call him... And correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, a bit of an enable, enabler, would you say? 100%, absolutely. Yeah, I like those people. I've been those people. Just kidding, no. I need those people sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. He's, he's interesting. I mean, I don't love like it's hard to compete with performances of Holden, of course, and Swanson, and and even um, Becky Beth. No shit, <laughs> Betty, Betty, Betty Schaefer. Schaefer, 
Betty Schaefer, because I thought she was really good too. Excellent. Where I would consider if I had to choose a weak link, and I don't have to choose one. No. But Max didn't really, you know. Yeah, he's just there. I think is his motivations are the character more than he is the character. Yeah. In a weird way, he doesn't. He's not really over the top. I think. I mean, it's so stoic, and he's so, you know, butlery and professional that way. But what he represents and how he goes about it is, I think, more interesting maybe than what is he specifically says or or his eyes do or anything like that. I think he's slightly cuckoo and maybe had a stroke, which is what William Holden says. I think it might have been towards Swanson's character, I think, maybe. But I think he was saying something about both of them. Maybe he's a bit of a kooky, too. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, just another great line. Fair. Yeah, out of beat with the rest of the world. Certainly. But something that he said, too, about just her. That entire... Establishment, right? Yeah, like so it's it's out of sync. I, I couldn't really write all these down. I just wanted to write down a couple because there's so many great lines in this movie that are just like clever uh, and smart. Yep. And now we kind of it's about I don't know 15, 20 now, 30, 25, whatever. About basically the plot of the movie starts to really manifest, which is he's a Sagittarius, so that's enough. <laughs> yep. To trust him. Yep. Uh, the decision, the the carrot dangled. And the choices made in this moment are so pivotal, obviously. As and, and the yeah. decisions that you continue to make, we've we've talked before yeah, in different contexts about uh, addiction, how you make the first decision but mm. you don't make the rest. You know, the sort of rest. Yeah, we are, talked about that in Repo Men, yeah. And and in other instances, we've talked about relationships where you're sort of, I you think you're doing the right thing at the beginning, and in Can't Hardly Wait, we talked about. Yes. Uh, I know why I started dating him, but I don't know why we kept doing it for so long. This is another example of that where it feels like in the moment, here's an easy fix. I can shine this on for a little bit, get her. He explained it really well. That's the thing. I can take an extra couple of bucks, do a polish or a ghostwrite, as you say. Get back on my feet. Get back on my feet. Get get back back to Ohio and wash my hands of this whole thing. No, you're right. Ohio. We established (laughs) Uh, um, <laughs> no potatoes. So I loved that that starts to manifest itself as a fairly innocent choice to solve a quick problem. Yeah, it didn't turn and out how that it. manifests throughout the rest of the movie is really, really fascinating. But yes. we're still pretty early on. But did you always try and, you know, Ebert talks about empathy movies being a tr- conduit for empathy uh, to connect us to things that we wouldn't otherwise experience. So putting myself in Joe Gillis's shoes like how would I react yeah and I would take the money I in that early stage too, in yeah. that early stage yeah. absolutely because you're like I just need a jam and he's not even stealing from it she's maybe he's maybe exact but he he is a writer absolutely. she does have a script there is hope there right I can yeah. help her right so it's absolutely. not something that you're just if taking not, she'll fire me and I'll cut my losses exactly so yeah. she so at that early stage you feel completely I feel okay with that decision. No problem. No question. I mean, the way they set it up is he's got no car and yep. it sounds like he's behind on his apartment payments. Sure. You're kind of in a corner here. Yep. So it's a perfect way in. Yeah, exactly. So I, I wouldn't, uh, I can't say that I would have made it any decision. At that, that decision I wouldn't make any differently. Decisions later, now I can easily say I would make decisions differently. Of course. But you can say that by having outside eyes, right? Yes. Knowing the outcome. But it starts to get a little bit freaky right away because he spends the night reading the script and then wakes up and all, all his stuff. stuff is there and you're like oh wait a minute this is a little yeah, that's a red flag it is a bit of a red flag absolutely but then she may have what dangles some more or 
she know, just says you're behind your payments so what are you going back for and i can do. give you a little money here and right so you want to have these are the things we all want i think or at least have been told we want you want security you want stability you want car you want a payment you know you want money you want these things so job money security those are the things we all kind of you know the the, the hierarchy of needs these are them right so yeah you get how that decision gets made easy yeah but you do also feel the through again the camera work some of the dissolves the time goes by you get the sense that he's effectively selling his soul each yes each and each and each Starts along the way cigarette cases yeah. jewelry the suits the whole uh, whole coot and caboodle moves uh, into the house and uh, yeah he's so he's getting comfortable more and more upgraded and he yeah. gets this situation where the, the one another scene i just love is where they watch her movie so he's still early on he wants to have a clear kind of delineation between the two this is when he comments on her grabbing his arm yeah, how yeah. it's sort of on a, a, bit of a turning points inappropriate he doesn't really appreciate it you get a sense they're still trying to draw some lines he's still trying to draw some lines it's like quiz show to a certain extent where i'll give me the questions and i'll look up the answers so it feels less like cheating but at the end of the day you're still doing it it's mm -hmm. like well i'll take this but i won't do that as if that somehow makes it better or elevated yeah. I'll right pay, i'll take it but i'll pay you back for it yeah there's a, some of this sort of back and yeah. forth where you're trying to maintain your credibility meanwhile you've sold your soul already yeah. and you just don't even know it yet and, you know. yeah so I, I like that i also think there's a great line around how almost embarrassing it all is how obsessed she is with herself and stuff and he says i didn't want to yell at her uh it's the same way you don't sorry I, I i'm mad at her i want to you know address it or what have you but he says it's the same way you don't want to yell at a sleepwalker yeah right and you realize that she's sort of in that her own mind that to shake her might actually break something which obviously in the end kind of maybe turns out to be true so yeah uh, i thought just another great great line she's lost in herself i think he says which is just a great indication and again performance she's just so delivers that her wide eyes as she's watching herself the giggling at the at the play of oh, the yeah. movies and stuff and then in fact as another side note just because i know this movie so well and i've studied it paid attention i haven't done any research specifically for this episode but all <laughs> things that i kind of remember was the movie they show on the movie home theater which i'm still you know 80 years later still trying to get a piece of uh, this movie theater in, in the house but it's um, the atmos though it's no atmos <laughs> But the movie that they're showing is a Gloria Swanson silent movie that was directed by and Max, by the real Max Eric von Stroheim. Oh, okay. So again, keeping it—it's not surprising, but yeah, keeping nice it real. Yeah. In this fictional world, I thought it was really clever too. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice little touch. I love Max's organ gloves. I got to throw that in there. That's a nice <laughs> set of white organ gloves. He loves playing the organ. He's great with the organ. Just want to give uh, credit where credit's due. Absolutely, uh, it's it's and he's a great performer. It's interesting. I I heard the term very queer. Yes. And gay. Let's make it gay. Yep. And I really liked that. I really wish those words sort of stuck with, in in the context they were sort yeah, of originated. Yeah, because it felt fine. Like it's just like it was. It's strange. It's happy. Yep. yep. You know, it's just it's weird how 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 words just changed uh, over time for sure and there's yeah. a million examples but just, just because they were both in there it's yeah. sort of like it's, we know we, we, we both know that we all just knew that these were different terms 
back Absolutely. in the 50s is just kind of a, a reminder like oh yeah that meant something different back then yep yeah. and bring it back that's right <laughs> let's bring it back i'm uh, not gonna try <laughs> <laughs> it started here folks um yeah I, I just think when they watch that movie and all these things there's just something about the hearkening back to the classic days she says we didn't need words. We had faces. We didn't need dialogue. We had great faces. <laughs> we could tell the story just in our faces and things like that. It's yeah. really powerful sentiment. Again, for a movie, it's really powerful sentiment for a movie made in 1950, which I want to say that the talkies were like late 39, 37, 38, 39 when that transition kind of happened. Okay, so it's still it. fairly fresh. Right middle of World War II. Uh, that yeah. that turned over and some of that those lines you can feel the and see the i don't want to say bitterness but the impact and the power that that those what those words resonate based on the fact that these are people that have been out of work for basically 10 years mm -hmm. almost at this point yeah so i really love lines like that that reference and this is around the same time where they're playing bridge with the uh yeah, with playing Buster cards and others yeah yeah just before they uh polish up the car yes the car is up now they're getting out you know they're going out as new year's uh coming up soon soon which isn't i don't think indicated then but is they're going out to buy some new clothes going she's, out to she, buy some new she's clothes she's tired of his his vest and his, his right. shoe his, his jackets yep so needs a new wardrobe can't be schlubby like the, like the way he's being he accepts yeah. those things the camel hair and the yep. funny line where what if she's paying for it, why don't you just get the bike that's Union? right bike right. unit whatever the hell that is i don't know what that is i don't know either and they have this look between the the, the salesman and him yeah and i feel like this is some minor pivotal moments where he's really in it now sure like he's making a decision now to start Accepting fully accepting yeah. these gifts without really any sort of thought of paying back, sort of. I think this is a bit of a turning point. Well, I think he, I think that's right. He does say that he has not made a nickel since he got there in real money, so he recognizes that so far there hasn't been any monetary exchange, which means he can't pay off the things that he needs to, which means he's not really getting as ahead as he may want to or mm. originally wanted to. So he's accepting these gifts, but it's the same thing I was just referencing with quick with quiz show, which is, well, I don't want to spend on the, the high end. I'll take uh, the medium I'll take the camel hair. I'll take yeah. the camel hair and not this other thing because there is still some weird morality coming into it. You know, they love uh, their uh, animal stuff back then. They had the leopard seats in the car with sure. real leopard skin. Yeah, and the camel hair and whatever the vicunin is. Yeah, I I, it's an I, animal or not, but. Uh, I agree. It's uh, extinct now because they kept stealing their fur. Exactly. The animals were expendable back then. You know, maybe PETA didn't exist. <laughs> no, Pam Anderson was not. Uh, no. But we start to ramp up as this starts to happen now to get to this New Year's, which is really a pivotal point in the movie. Yeah, big party. Uh, it's about an hour into it. So we're about halfway through. It comes in. He's got a tuxedo and... With the tails. The, the tails, the whole thing. The tails, the whole he nine. goes, he bumps into Betty when he goes to get her cigarette case. These kinds of things. They've had some interactions. But he goes... Which, I, you know, it's a bit of contrivance, but it's kind of set up where everybody goes to that pharmacy. That's the thing. Exactly. Like, it's the right. place you go. Yep, I agree. Well played. Yep, very smart, <laughs> very clever. They set it up well, like you say. And she gets to gloat about Valentino's floors and all that stuff. And he's anticipating... 
when are the guests coming? When are the guests coming? It's getting later. It's getting later. Yeah. It's getting later. And you get the unease from that point. That's where I, to me, all the other stuff was small stuff that kind of lingered and was a little bit odd and whatever. But here is a real pivot point where he's looking around realizing she's in love with me. Things are getting weird. It's or financial. It's emotional now. There's other things involved. There's no other guests coming. She's so lost in her own mind. Like, There's all these little pieces that start to trickle in. And when he sort of when they have their blow up and he storms out, I gotta get some fresh air. I gotta go, Max. No, don't. Whatever. And he ends up going to Artie's. Artie. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of that scene? Well, I, I can. I mean, I love where the movie's at because I like that we're now ratting the emo- like. He's like, oh, this isn't just gifts now. Yep. Like she, yep. shit. It kind of crept up on him. I yep. think. And he wants out because of it. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. So would I. Now it's hard to tell how. Good-looking women are in black and white. Fair. Now she's fifty. I don't know, but she could be still. There's some beautiful fifty-year-olds, beautiful sixty-year-olds. Yep. So, uh, but I don't think she's got the personality for a healthy <laughs> she's relationship. Lacking, lacking in some of that depth, I would say. So I can certainly understand wanting to get air, wanting to get out of there. So it's a little stifling, then, right? Yeah, and then getting to the party, Artie's Artie's party, and yep. he's got a spot secured on the couch. <laughs> yeah. One thing, and I like everything about this scene. One thing was really obnoxious and annoying was the two Francis, yeah, the fr- the two Francis's, the two Francis <laughs> on the phone, <laughs> yeah, laughing hysterically in this just most obnoxious possible way, <laughs> yeah. And I, I know it served a purpose, but I don't know. It was just a moment of severe <laughs> annoyance. And then they go to the rainbow room, and this relationship's pretty interesting, yeah, because you can't really get a sense exactly of. Does he like her, Betty? Yep. And does Betty like him, uh, Joe? Yep. And they they're they're having some fun with it, and they're, Very I think they're quoting, flirting, sort of quoting a movie, and yep. Yep. having some fun with that, and it's really good. And they almost kiss, which I think feels legit. Felt really natural to me. Like, yeah. Really, and kind of sexy, like exactly. Way, like, I think she's sexy, and yeah. I think because I think it's because she's strong, and she has a she's beautiful, has a great personality. She you know, fantastic. Already that relationship between the two are very. Good, I think. Yes. Between Joe and her. He's older, but not, I think maybe, what, 40? Who knows? And she's 22? Say, sure. And then he finally gets the phone. Yeah. And I think that's, leave the phone. Don't worry about the phone. Yeah. You're in the middle of something here. Yeah. But you're in the middle of something with somebody that's, I, whose with fiance our, is yeah, outside. Yeah, I guess because I, when don't I was care. young, I didn't care. <laughs> I don't feel good about that. <laughs> but uh, he gets on the phone, and this is where we hear Max says the doctor's here. She's tried to... You, you know, cut herself with your razors and he just gets up and leaves. And this is a decision where I'm a little surprised. And I think I myself uh, would have stayed because you want to get away from her anyways. Yeah. And his eagerness to get back was a little surprising to me. So it was something that what you, how you felt about that scene. Cause I thought it was a little bit off. I would have, st- but maybe that's me. And maybe it's the arty factor where he's trying to be the better man in this situation and leave this woman who's clearly flirting with him. To go back to cycle, yeah, lady. I think <laughs> I think um, it's all manipulation. Obviously, they mentioned earlier, just before this, uh, the locks of all the door, the locks have all been taken yeah. off, the razors have all been secured, so forth. So there is a a bit of a hint, let's say, too, that this is a possibility. Yeah, Max has brought Max that has up, brought yeah. that up around the same. And time. the letters are are not real. That's the thing where you know you talk about. The enabling, 000. right? Like this yeah. is Max is basically feeling fueling 
the hundreds of fan letters she gets all the time. And he says, it's not even what I like about it is the subtlety of the reveal. He doesn't say I sent them or it was me. He gets says, I wouldn't look too closely at the postmarks. Yeah. Yeah. So it's maybe a little wordy. I don't know, but the movie is so beautifully written that you're just, you understand what that means in a way that is more unique than just, Twas I. So I really love that. And I so I like the setup and the payoff. And I think that, you know, I was in a fairly toxic relationship pretty early on where the emotion was so deep. Deep. Um, I was trying to think of a better word than deep, but I got deep as well. <laughs> or or it was so um at, at such a elevated level, like it was so deep. Deep <laughs> that um, you know, that's it. We're breaking up huge fight, huge fight, huge fight. But uh, I'm took too many pills tonight. Oh God, shit! I you know I don't want to be the cause of yeah right or I yeah I, I got that a little bit right. So I can appreciate a certain amount of guilt in his mind. I think again I'm only extrapolating, but in his mind, sure. we talked before. Would you leave someone for a sure thing? In this instance, Betty is not a sure thing. Betty is committed to this other guy. Yeah. Now, <laughs> Gloria Swanson, for whatever reason, is a sure thing in in the in the grand scheme. Yeah, and financially. And financially. So yeah. if your goal is to be secure, all these things that we just talked about, you sacrifice that for love on some level. You right, and that's the decision. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> we've all made for better or for worse. We've all made it, folks. Uh, once you know, on, one on either side of it, you know, yeah. you choose the love instead of oh, this person's poor, but I love them and that's enough, or this person's rich. And I can pretend to love them. Yeah, women have made that bad decision with me. I love the guy, but he's broke. Exactly. Eventually, <laughs> people make it goes both ways. Exactly. Sorry, honey. <laughs> so you think that these things are a way. And I, so this for me is you're fully committing to selling your soul. If you, you This it. is the moment where you've made the choice. Yeah. As much as it comes back later, this to me is the real pivot point. Yeah. Where you could stay at the party. The doctors are already there. You know what? He's already said, I'm out. And he goes back, and he goes back quickly, and he goes back fully. And in the next scenes, I think they do it. That's the thing. The the pers- the vibe of the way it's shot, the way in which they interact, their physicality. I think he's in the pool soon after. Yeah. And he comes out of the pool. She no shirt on. It. She exactly. So he's less, which is normal. But <laughs> but we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Every time we see him, he's in a suit or he's in his pants more casual here with just the trunks on. so he's on just basic trunks the pool's basic been filled trunks. up again the, the, the house has come to life with the pool Joe there the car is clean car is clean i assume the tennis court's been fixed yeah and she wraps the towel so there's a caressing happening nice. so to me it indicates the same that these guys they do they've it. now the previous night when they were kissed they was more than just a kiss yes. you would say yeah so to me it changes the dynamic completely oh yeah and the movie addresses that really i think it's just like really well i think for me it was just kind of quick and abrupt that sort of that decision and i think it maybe it just snuck up on me so i did it kind of stuck out for me a little bit but obviously you know it made sense uh for the plot of the movie of course um but even things like uh anytime he does try and leave or threaten to leave or say it he's just i'll do it again i'll do it again i'll do it again so the manipulation is really manipulator really happening there and when he bumps into Betty at Schwab's again, there's this like, oh, you're, you've been keeping, where, where have you been keeping yeah, where yourself you or something? Where are you at? 
you know? And he says, I haven't been keeping myself at all, which another really great line that is subtle that says, ultimately, it's not me, it's her. And I really love it. I just love so much of it. And then we get the sense she's de- obsessed with this Salome script that she's working on. And she finally gets, a, finally gets a call from Paramount. And this kicks in the third act like that. Oh, my gosh. I finally got the call. Who from? Not Cecil B. DeMille. You well, take a message. Yeah. then forget it. I'm not yeah. interested. Like, what are you talking about? This is, you know, blah, 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 right? So I really thought, what a unique, interesting... Jonesy. Yes. Jonesy, my boy. Yeah. Uh, it's so great. <laughs> I love the Paramount scene. I don't know what, if you want to talk about it generally, like how did you feel about it, but I love from the moment they get to the lot until they leave, I think it's just There's nothing brilliant. not to like. That's it's the thing with brilliant. this movie, with like 99% of it. Uh, you know, we're coming off a pretty... N- Last recently we did I mean the island and we were pretty in myself who loves the movie there was tons of nitpicks in that movie and this movie I think I'm struggling and I'm trying Phil I believe it I'm trying to find something and I think I just sort of aired my one maybe maybe minor issue with it was just the the, the pivotal point where he goes home back to her instead of sticking around with with Betty that's my small sort of I would have stayed but I understand where the character is coming from. So for the movie, it all makes sense. There's everything, everything about that Paramount sequence I love, especially the light, shining the light, the, the guy so above. So good. I don't know who that was, Jonesy. Someone was Jonesy. No, that's that Argyle. Was, that was Argyle, yes, Argyle. And I think it was just perfectly suited for the movie and for how her her mind space is, what's going on in her mind, and every, everyone's around her now. Yep. Uh, and some of them remember her. So that's the thing. She gets to feel the yeah. spotlight comes. You can feel literally. her life, like literally, yeah. The color in her light, or obviously it's black and white. She's but in like her you zone can, now. That's it. This is the dream. You and can I, see why it's really intoxicating. Absolutely. Like I can uh, like imagine being in that, and, and people still have she's that. Recognized today. Recognized as soon as she gets on the lot, Jonesy. Yeah. Oh, we made so many pictures. We'll be so great. And, yeah. Uh, where's the the mill? And you know. And then yeah, what I love too is the is the microphone mm-hmm. that goes by her head. She's got the big oh yeah, and she, and she swats it away because it. the talkies killed her career. So you don't I need a microphone. I thought she was just being you know. You don't need a microphone in yeah silent film. I mean you don't you know. So Clearly. it's like another visual gag to yeah. say get this shit out of my I'm you know Billy Wilder. But I love the the that you're feeling that the way that that is shot is so beautiful Mm -hmm. and where you're talking before about empathizing and hating and loving and and uh, pitying and you you want you know she encapsulates all that in this scene you see the rush she gets as i said the 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 spotlight coming her face the crowd gathering around her i empathize you're like this is your win even though i haven't liked much of what you've done or said since or before, I mean, I was happy for. Her. I really want this for her, <laughs> yeah. which is what makes the next little scenes with not little Demille scenes, being is so sad to me. Yeah, there's is, quite is, a 180 is the, is the with how he leaves that. Like, I don't want any part of her. But the reveal, like, and he says, uh, "We want the car now." <laughs> yeah. Well, he says like uh, uh, something car. like, uh, "Let me know. I'll give her the brush or something." And he says, "A million people have already given her the brush. Like, I don't want to do it again." Yeah. There's something really powerful and sad about that. And he yeah. was able to transition as a director in ways that yeah. she couldn't. So he got to live through the silence into the talkies and she's left on the other side. 
and he feels a certain amount of I think I feel like he gets a little bit of guilt about it. Uh, they make great pictures, but he also doesn't want to give her too much because she he knows that she's kind of gone. There's a duality to that guy, Demille. Yeah. Yep. at the beginning, he's very sympathetic and empathetic towards her. I always say empathetic and sympathetic. I know yep. they're different, and I want to cover both in case one of them's wrong. Sympathetic, uh, <laughs> absolutely, is like from afar. <laughs> empathetic is from within. Okay, thank you. And he flips almost by the end, saying, yeah. "I don't just." I'll get the car. Don't we, we don't like that's really got nothing to do with him, but he wants her sort of away from the set. Doesn't want her back. I think it's partly that, but I also looked at it more from a pitying perspective because yeah. it's, it's just for the car. And he saw what it just that he, she doesn't know it's for the car and she see, he sees her reaction. We're going to make all these pictures. Yeah. We'll start like again. Times. I'm so glad you love my script, of course. I don't work before 10 a.m. and yeah. not, certainly not after no, 4 no. p.m. Heavens, no. And the realization that time has moved beyond her and it's just mean to get her car because she's going to be devastated. Okay. I think it's actually a, well, maybe, a, a, yeah. a bit of, yeah. of pitying to say we're not going to put her through this because we made one call some guy made one call and yeah. look what happened. Yeah, we don't go through that. We again. don't need the car he enough. He doesn't have the time for that. We just don't need the car enough to put her through that. And yeah. I think he recognizes that she's okay. That's she's good. I like that. In rough shape. Team DeMille. Yeah. And if he goes again, it's going to be a bigger problem. So I love that. I like that. Now, this might be a little contrivance. I don't know, but that he bumps into Betty again on the lot. Just so happens to be again, there. She would be there. She would be there. Exactly. She's a studio, ex- you know, worker. She's a yeah. reader. She does her thing. She has a little office. This movie like, does a pretty good, especially in 1950, where they can do a movie with limited resources of compared to what we have today, and not have a lot of contrivance. Yeah. Because worlds can tend to feel a little bit small. A little smaller. You're on a lot. Like so we talked about Gaslight, where they're like, well, this is London. Yeah. Like nobody here. It's one block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But yeah. So I, I think that that's really powerful and i like the scene that they two get because this these are scenes we've talked before in, uh, in, in, in almost famous as an example that i can think of where i love and we've mentioned it i think briefly around get back the documentary about the beatles is this spark of creativity is really exciting to me and when in something like get back it's written it's it's created naturally you watch it happen in real time because cameras are just running and the beatles are doing their thing but in almost famous it's like these ideas of songwriting or a lick or a moment that is transcendent of your thing and and the art carries forward and so forth something about the scene in which he and betty are talking where they're bouncing ideas back and forth hey you know that idea you were talking about well how about this dark windows you know exactly right he's works the daytime she works at night yeah yeah they share an apartment it's cheaper are you kidding (laughs) i think this might be good it's yours take it and like the rat-a-tat of that yeah and it's also kind of similar to uh, the Sounds plot like of the apartment a little bit, where okay. um, he rents out the apartment at night, and she's a bit of a well-to-do. Shirley MacLaine is a, it's a hey, great movie. Don't spoil it for me. Um, but those kinds of things, I love the ability just to kind of have themselves, and they have a couple of those scenes back and forth where they Pretty quick they share yeah. these ideas and they bounce it back, and here's how to make it better, and here's a. Um, I always my part of why any writing I ever did, what little I did was often with a partner was because I am not proficient at the idea for sure. at the top. Yeah. But I feel I'm pretty good at the yes and, yes and, yes and. Let's mold it and have a yes about this. and guy. You'd be terrible at improv. 
It's the whole rule of improv. Oh, is it? Yes, and. Oh, okay. Nothing is ever a bad idea in improv, so you just have to say yes. Okay, got it. Um, But just the idea of, I'm like, I don't know the answer, but someone says, here, upstairs, downstairs. Oh, wait, but what if, and what if, and what if? So I really love that, the exchange between those two, and I think they really work well. And it goes further because these, these relationship feels natural and feels real, and the chemistry is so, I feel, pretty electric. Then I just buy that scene. I really like it when they're in the office uh, pitching these ideas in the lot. It's great. I'll take it further because there's a scene just after that, I think, where it starts to be more physical. And I have to tell you, that's a great line where he says, if I start making a move on you, more or less. Not so many words. I can't repeat what he said because it's so darn good. Yes. I'm not qualified. From here on out, you're going to have to keep a 22-meter distance or something. Yeah, hit me in the head over with a shoe if I try to kiss you, more or less. Yeah. That's perfect. That's letting her know that I'm attracted to you. I like you. I might make a move, and I know I'm not supposed to. Balls in your court, sort of thing. <laughs> yes. And I just think it's. I think I've done that move. Sure. And it's a pretty 100%. passive aggressive move. That sounds like you. <laughs> Got a I just may kiss you. I don't know. Honestly, I have a hundred percent success rate with it. Okay. Yeah. Three out of three, maybe four uh, out of four. No accounting for taste. <laughs> Uh, no, but it's great. I, like I did the same. Absolutely. Yeah. You want to, you know, coming from myself as well, as an emotional person, it's like, I want you to know that I like you, but I'm too shy to tell you. So I'll drop these kind of subtle hints. So 100%. Yeah. And it works well, especially with the whole arty factor, right? Yep. It's like, I shouldn't be kissing you. Yeah. but And it's a kind of a great scene when they're walking around the lot later, when he kind of goes back and that's where he's sneaking out at nights to go see her and they're writing on this, working on the story. The scene in which they're walking around the lot, she talks about how she grew up right around the corner and her dad and her mom, and she's from the family. She got a third nose generation. job. Yeah, third generation. job, third generation. Just the yeah. idea that, again, she's coming from such a confident space. Right. Oh, doesn't, I don't mind. Look at the nose. It's the best thing I ever did. Yeah, and doesn't mind being on the, behind the camera versus being a star. Not looking to be an actor. No, I'm star. happy. To, I'm I, genuinely happy doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And she is. She seems like enthusiastic. She wants good stories. Absolutely. She just loves working with him and loves to get ideas, bounce ideas, like I said, uh, off each other. Yep. I love it. I think it's great. And Joe ends up back at the house. This is where we have the reveal that Max was her first, first husband. husband. What a weird, strange <laughs> turn of events, man. Absolutely. Yeah, kind of makes sense in some ways. The first husband. He mentions at the beginning, this is the room of the husband. Yeah. Like husband. he kind of There's says three. it again. So now, question about that scene. Yes. You just bring it up. How do you feel about the bed in the middle of the room? It's a really questionable choice. Yeah, it, it's a it's a bold choice. Bold. Uh, I don't know. Maybe bold. ventilation was a thing. I don't know <laughs> I don't why know. you wouldn't have a headboard. Against Would you like the some wall. room behind? Yeah. Uh, what are you going around? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was part of the parties they used to have. I don't know. <laughs> I bring around the, the bed. Bring around the bed. Everybody plays it. 1950s <laughs> musical bed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the real reveal, I, were you surprised by that? I was kind of taken aback. I kind of forgot about that because it's not a huge plot point. It is, but it wasn't something super memorable when I watched it this this most recent time. I remember, as soon as he men- mentioned it, I instantly remembered, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So it wasn't a huge reveal for me. Uh, I think it explains a little bit of Max's behavior sure. to a certain degree. Where he's he's more just trying just to protect the, her the whole time. Yeah, and I think he's almost, in a way, he's got some... Oh, the issues going on 100%. there too. Absolutely, but they're just not as prominent and animated. <laughs> let's say, uh, like he's certainly not nearly as animated as normal. No, of but he's not. obviously going through some psychological issues because he is a dinosaur as well. Because he was a director of silent movies. Yes, if I'm not correct. So, yep. Yep. I think it's just by him trying to keep her in the spotlight, 
he's doing it for himself. I don't know. It's it's an interesting maybe. I yeah. didn't dig too deep, but the thought did sort of cross my mind about his motives and how much how important she really is to him. And I think she is, but maybe for different reasons. But I still really want to see the bowling alley. Yeah, absolutely. It's alley. a real missed opportunity. I'm just saying, they have yep. a bowling alley in the basement. It's mentioned. We didn't see much of the tennis court. We didn't. See I want to know if it's five pin or ten pin. Obviously, you've got trophies, so I'm just saying. I want to make sure. It's huge. Uh, we're basically looking at the last twenty, the last, the culminating moments where Norma so stressed and strung out about her is going out and so forth. I mean, that's you know that's that um, she calls Betty. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. How. Yeah, yeah. I am not, not one cool. to no, you're not. cast aspersions. That is <laughs> no, a you bold are, play. It is bold. I'm not, to be... It doesn't surprise me with her character, though. No, not at all. But I just started to think, like, has that cool. happened? And there's been elements of sort of... I think that's happened to me. Emails, yeah. calls, so forth. Who yeah. is this? Who are you been talking to? This kind of stuff. You yeah. Know? So I can appreciate Bag it. Rec- rec- yeah, recollection yeah. of that. Uh, but it's bold and it really culminates this movie and it really gets to Joe's last moments. Yeah. Cause he hears the whole, here's the whole thing and kind of yeah. comes clean with it. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Betty, you want to know the story? Come on over. Cause we're not, I'm tired of this sort yeah. of ducking and weaving kind of stuff. Sunset Boulevard or whatever it is. And it, I can feel the tension coming as that is starting to happen. You can cut it with a knife. Uh, and I think it's so wonderfully executed. And when he, when she gets there, um, First of all, I kind of like that she even goes because there's a way that just says, like, I don't need this drama, man. She likes him. Yeah. But yeah. She's already got Artie. Obviously, she's in love with him, but she's still engaged to Artie. She doesn't she really. She loves Artie, but not in love yeah, with Artie. Classic line. Distinct Classic difference. line. And I like how she has, like, like, the strength. Just agency. And she doesn't, her friend's like, do you want me to come? I should come. He's like, no, I don't need anyone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's unsafe, but. Yeah. Questionable. Yeah. I, I, I like everything about it. But I also like how when he gets there, Joe is almost dis- derisively de- describing his surroundings in such an over like you like the suit well it's five thousand dollars oh you like the the floor yeah. it's Valentino's floor you like this you like this this room this room this room yada yada what and did what did Valentino say about tile he said something about tile what is it you know I don't remember <laughs> you know what Valentino says about tile yeah well. I think the audience might not know either. Because we're never going <laughs> to ask that question. Valentino thing. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I don't. I don't know the. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you speak wood. I just like the way that she is. The way in which he brings her into this world. It isn't gloating. It's almost. It's a push away. It's saying, yeah, "Don't." Uh, I've made my dis- choices. Yeah. This and com- you yeah. need to go away. Go back to Artie. Get away from me. It's too it's toxic in here. confronting himself in a lot of That's ways. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because she is... It's I'm pushing her away on purpose because, hey, you're Artie's girl. I don't deserve you I'm anyways. trouble. Yeah. I'm clearly... I, I got issues. That's it. I don't, and ha- this, I don't have, like, normal issues. That's right. Or max issues. But I got issues. And he doesn't have the agency either. He's lost it along the way. He could have gave it up. Okay. And he He's realizes... back to Ohio. Really. He realizes, I think, that he kind of is... This is all played out, and it's gotten too far. So I like that he wants to spare her the trouble. And the way he does it, obviously, is overstating how opulent his living is. And why would I want to leave this? It's as good as this. It's good. Yet yet he basically is ready to leave. But he wants her to think he's a cad. Yeah. Which I think is is a a, a really (laughs) powerful way to end that relationship and that side of it, which is to say, like, 
don't fall in love with me. You've made a big mistake. Is, Go back to Artie. It's kind of courageous in a, in a weird way. Not courageous necessarily, Noble. but you're taking the high road. Yeah. A little bit. One of the first times we've seen him do it in this whole movie. Yeah. It's like, I've, I know I've, I've messed up and... I'm about to ruin yeah. two lives, potentially. So I'm only going to ruin mine. I'm just going to ruin mine. I'll take one for the team. So yeah. I really respect that. I like that scene a lot. And then take obviously... Take a bullet for the team. Exactly. Free. And culminating in the, <laughs> in the gun and the shots. I think... Everything about the murder, I think, is really great. Um, I have two issues, Phil. Talk to me. Is one of them blood? <laughs> no. Okay. No, no, no issue with the blood. There's two things. Is I think he could have chosen his words more wisely. I don't think he took the fact that she had a gun quite seriously. Seriously, enough. yeah. Like he almost like shrugged it off, and I, that I can un- understand because we know she's suicidal. The gun is to kill her herself. Yes. yes. So that it, you know, not a big deal. <laughs> What bothers, no not bothers me. What's funny, I think, is he walks away. Like he's, you know, I don't know what happens to uh, Betty. I guess she just leaves. She leaves. She leaves. That great scene where he walks her to the archway. She walks away and over in the beautiful shot, low angle, Norma's oh, up yeah. on the stairwell looking down at the two. Like, like thank you. Thank you for doing that. Yes. Uh, yes. You can finally be together. You yeah. Know, and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he starts to walk away, saying, I'm done. And she, obviously, Norma is not having it. Yeah. And I think this is not a good time to leave when she's got a gun. Fair. So that is a bit of an choice. oversight, questionable choice. He walks out. Good for him, though. Good for him. Walks out. Shoots him once. And he's like, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Shrugs it off. Like, no big deal. I thought that was kind of funny. Yep. Uh, and I watched it the second time. Like, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. He's like, I'm not. He's still not taking I'm the. I'm taking gun two serious. more steps and then another gun. So he gets shot once and doesn't take it seriously yet. Yes. He takes the second shot, which then he, he turns he, around at that point. Yeah, he's animated. He's like, oh, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. Wait, that's obviously the last one. I think finishes him off. Yeah. I just thought that first shot was hundred percent. <laughs> yeah. So I enjoyed it actually, but uh, yeah, I thought it's great. I think it's great. And then we really get... Yeah, that's not the end, per se. No, and this yeah. is sort of the really, really the most powerful part is yeah. Norma at this point has truly snapped. <laughs> yeah. And watching her face as Max says that the reporters the and the cameras are, are downstairs. Yeah. And the music even has a... Mm-hmm. And her eyes light up and she can really get... I'm happy for her again. That's... <laughs> It's a really magical performance moment because it really is. We she's literally snapped at this point, yet is still triggered by the things that she's been, and still gets an opportunity, and it, the whole thing kind of breaks. And Max, even in this environment, still mm. enables <laughs> the circumstance by grabbing the camera or the yeah, spotlight again and pushing it towards her. She's got that amazing I'm getting off on this Max. ethereal way that she walks down the stairs oh, with yeah. her big performance, it's big eyes. eyes, hands floating through, yeah. and the 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 classic line, "I'm ready for my close up, Mr. Demille." Yeah, that's it. It's and then gradually, f- basically floating into the, the camera, camera. I thought that before was it dissolves. It's cool. It's so good. It's so powerful. It's such an amazing performance and such a perfect ending. We've just watched. Yeah. If you were to look at this on IMDb or Google search it or what have you, it's got like it's descriptors, you know, it's like dark, bleak Hollywood are like the three 
notices. Yeah. And I think to myself, yeah, that's it's a pretty dark movie that nobody really wins. Like no, it's it's everybody nobody wins yeah. loses yeah on some level, and some lose a lot, some lose a little, but they all lose. I think something Artie does along okay, the way. I guess. Maybe. Yeah, Artie's the only one sort of unaffected, unless um, you know Betty Maybe kind of breaks up with him anyway. Yeah, because he really liked her. But yeah, it's really <laughs> kind of sad. I, I thought the movie is so effectively, powerfully sad. Which but in a weird. way that is different than Magnolia. Magnolia is, I thought, really sad, but ends with some hope with the smile. This from, is almost the opposite. It's kind of the opposite. It starts at a little... Like, I kind of forget it's sad and bleak. Yeah. And I'm just kind of rolling with the punches and being entertained. Yeah. And then at the end, I'm like, oh. Everybody's dead. Yeah. Or at least... Like, and it takes a bit to really sink in. Yeah. And you kind of almost forget how this movie started. Yeah. Because you know... If you don't know right away, you know by now. Yeah. What and you know that he dies, but it's like you don't know why he dies, and the slow and the movie slowly kind of reveals why it is and who it was that shot him and what the you know what the circumstances were. Because there's a period of time where you might think, well, maybe Max did it, or realistically, you might think that the repo man did it in some ways. Some maybe you know it's doubtful. I just mean I'm grasping a little bit of straws, but there are ways there are. they don't tell us who did it, and then throughout the movie we realize, and then obviously at the end, you, there's no doubt that this person is literally snapped and. It's such a great movie. I was so happy to watch it uh, again and relive, uh, as I said, the majesty of the writing and performance and direction and everything about it, I just think, is is so near perfect that uh, it felt really good. And I would hoped to watch it just after Babylon because I knew that, again, the subject matter was somewhat apropos. Uh, but mm-hmm. couldn't find the time. It just got shuffled aside, so forth. Okay, so well, I was so happy to take it off the shelf uh, for you and our and our audience this uh, this week. Uh, it's obviously staying on. It's one of my all time favorite movies. I think. You it's, sure, you keep it on the shelf. It's really near perfection. I'm disappointed. I have yet to see a 4K edition, but I, I'm happy. I have the Blu-ray. I had it on DVD when it came. I had it on VHS when I saw that used. Ooh, got a couple extra copies uh, kicking around. Couldn't eh? couldn't get enough of it. I still think it's one of the great great films and and talking about it now I, I think you know it might be a time to maybe pull another billy wilder off the shelf before the end of the year uh, we'll see um, we've got lots of time left david uh, what are your uh, final thoughts on the on the deal well the Philip, um first of all do you want to know the imed score you want to know i don't really but the audience might <laughs> really <You> think so <laughs> okay well uh it was by randoms it of was 8.4 Great. Generally. And then you have the meta score, which mm-hmm. I think is like actual critics. From no, it's still other oh, is it? randos too. But uh, 94. Yeah. So people like this. Well, the 94, I can agree with. I think it's really near perfection. I know you don't really make a decision until you look at the IMDb scores. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, it was How about good. an 8.4 on my end? Yeah, uh, I like it. <laughs> uh, uh, really, honestly, Phil, I mean, what's not to like? I You have incredible performances. You have a really cool story, which is pretty original. It's incredibly shot. It's it's entertaining. It's compelling. It's it's everything you want in a movie. And the fact that it's from 1950 uh, is just really impressive to me. How a movie can be put together, edited so well together to make you feel that you're watching a movie that is, feels contemporary. Yeah, other side of the over. The performances, which I happen to like, yeah. so honestly, and is part of the story. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. It's built in. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. So yeah. I definitely, I think it's a movie that 
I really wish my wife would have given it a chance. And I think she might like it uh, if she, had she watched it. Now, she this ended up really not having the time. We've both been really busy lately. So I had to watch this regardless on my own. Okay. But uh, I think it's a movie that can be enjoyed no matter what. And I think it's just a fun story. I mean, fun is a funny thing to say because it's really sad and dark. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it's just a, a, good, it's a good watch. Now, I've watched it three times now. I'm not probably going to watch it again anytime soon. Of course. It'd go on my shelf for the right price. Yeah. Uh, you know, or if you're not looking, I can just grab one of your copies uh, for your shelf. Yeah, I don't think I have the DVD anymore. Oh, okay. But I just, it was a systematic <laughs> upgrades as time went on because I, I loved it so much. Yeah, but it wouldn't be adverse to having on my shelf, though. So good pick. Thank Amazing. you for, uh, for bringing it off your shelf. And, Wonderful. Uh, I did want to mention... Just before we uh, sign off for the evening here, that mm-hmm. uh, it was nominated for eleven Academy Awards. Uh, it it won. Yeah, I can see that. It won three. Because uh, you hear about Casablanca a lot, and you don't. This one seems to be like, in hockey terms, like a really strong second line right winger. But I think there's an argument for the first line. Uh, it was. Or at it least was in the power play. It was well received. What is interesting? I mean, this it came up against uh, All About Eve. Which is another actual Hollywood kind of uh, an amazing movie about fame and stardom, and okay. uh, I'd love to take that one off the shelf too. It's a really good one. Um, okay. Let me check the score. It, <laughs> but it was kind of from an era where color and black and white was happening simultaneously in Hollywood, so they actually split up awards where cinematography oh, black and white, cinematography yeah, we're color. We're bad at that as a, as a, as a species, <laughs> dividing uh, by color. Costume design, black and white, costume design, color. So it's really yeah. fascinating to me. I, I really like it. But it lost, uh, Billy Wilder lost uh, to Mankiewicz, uh, Joseph Mankiewicz uh, for All About Eve. Okay. Uh, it, won, it lost screenplay and so forth. So it did win a few, but um, it yeah, wasn't. No surprise. It won. It uh, didn't like walk away with everything. No, again, it just kind of came up against. But it was nominated for Best Picture. It was nominated for Best uh, Director, Actor, Actress, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress. Uh, and it won, uh, and certainly cinematography and editing. But was Did Gloria win? No. Hmm. But it won screenplay. I want to see the performance of who won. It won screenplay, and it won uh, Best Set Direction, Black and White, uh, and Best Score. Yeah, those scores are very interesting, very distinct for the time. Yeah, I really like it. So, Oregon. A lot of Oregon. <laughs> yep, absolutely, absolutely. So that's it, folks. Thank you so much uh, for for uh, listening this week. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we really do. Do us a favor and uh, obviously like the podcast. Uh, we would appreciate you joining us on the Facebook group, uh, participating in those chats, and uh, perhaps most importantly, a five-star review. And please share the podcast with everyone you know. Uh, I luckily have a bunch of postmarked envelopes ready for you to send out to all your friends and family uh, ready to go so thanks again folks we really appreciate it we'll talk to you next week feels crazy